Vayahwe, thank you for this new day. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your love, your strength. Oh, Father God, you are so marvelous, so wonderful to allow me to continue to be this conduit, to be my strength and my weakness, to be my guide, my teacher, my savior, my redeemer. Thank you, Father, for all these things that you do. Thank you for allowing me to continue to be your conduit and to share your truth and knowledge and wisdom. Abba Yahweh, Aman. Yeshua, Aman. Parakritos, Aman. So, I'm going to step off into this realm again, and there are those um, I'm trying to reach out and grab a word that's, but you know what? It doesn't matter because it is what it is. Wankers, whiners, and criers that are absorbed in the white noise of the interference of the enemy who subtly comes in and attacks, and they're, they're not even realizing. We talk about the enemy, and let me tell you, those of you that have never been in the military of this world, as I have, don't understand what I'm talking about, but when you have an enemy, sometimes plans change, sometimes plans are altered, sometimes plans are redirected, but the enemy is present and the enemy attacks and many times unbeknownst um, in certain areas they had what they called sappers or infiltrators and they were very adept at getting in and through and around obstacles that were meant to keep them out. Uh, they were very, very proficient. Oh my gosh. And when the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, it wasn't talking about the national anthem. It was talking about reality and taking life. So when I talk about the enemy, I talk about a real enemy that God prepared an armor for us for. Why would God prepare an armor if it wasn't meant for the minions and the onslaught of the enemy? You have to understand this as truth. Nowhere in the Bible did Jesus, our Lord, Christ anointed of God, ever take Satan lightly. Never did he take Satan lightly. Never did he uh, paint a verbal image of Satan as a character or somebody who was not meant to be taken seriously. He knew and Satan came to him because he knew the authority that Jesus had when he came to this earth. He knows the authority that Jesus has. And when he came, he was not going to trust the presence of Jesus after his water baptism to one of his minions or a number of his minions. He was not going to do that. The authority that Jesus has was enough that Satan came himself and when it came regarded anything dealing with the lord jesus satan personally oversaw what was going on that authority that jesus holds frightened him frightened him and he tried tempting jesus and jesus rebuked everything he had to say by the word by the word this is one of our most powerful weapons and when it talks about the armor of God, it talks about the sword of truth. The sword of the gospel. Have your feet shod with the preparation 
of the gospel, the word of God. This is our weapon against that onslaught. But there's some scriptures that you need to read because it talks about the enemy. Revelation 12, 9. Isaiah 14, 12 through 17. John 14, 30. Luke 4, 1 through 13. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Ephesians 6, 12. Matthew 7, 13 through 14. 1 Corinthians 10. Matthew 7. Colossians 3, 2. 1 John 2, 15 through 16. And Job 2, 2. Which might be one of the most important to get you a realization of the reality that is on this earth, whether you like it or you don't like it. But if you sit there and you try to declare that, oh, that's just glorifying the devil, well, then you're feeding in and you're absorbing that white noise that he puts out because he wants you to ignore him. He wants you to think that he's a cartoon character. He wants you to just walk through the world and it's all okay. If you read the story of Job, and when God asked Satan where he'd been, what was his response to God? I've been walking on my estate. Well, what does that mean? That means that this place, this place, this world that many decide that they prefer to call home, and I've heard the comments made, oh, I'll fight for my home. Uh, really? My home is in heaven. And I will fight the best that I can to share the gospel, to give the opportunity for anybody who will decide to accept that Jesus Christ came for them to save them and give them the opportunity to be an heir and be in the family that is going to go to the kingdom of heaven, which is our home. This is a workplace. I'm on a work visa from my Lord. He's got me doing his business, sharing the word so that others may have that opportunity. This is not my home. This is a, um, you know, if anybody has done any traveling, and I know a number of people that have, those places they go to are, oh, they might use terms like, oh, this is so homey, this is so nice, but it's not their home. They go and they take a vacation, but they want to go home. I'm working here. I'm doing the Lord's work. I'm being about his business, but I want to go home. This is not my home. This is not my home. This is not our home. Not the way it is, not the way it is now. God is going to come down and he is going to, what's a word that most people would understand? Reboot. How's that? There you go. For all you technos out there, he's going to reboot this place. He's going to cleanse it. The filth, the nastiness, the pollution, and the absolute destruction that is going on here for the people that live here. If this was indeed your home and you... Sometimes I see what people do, and I hate to see what their houses look like. I'm sitting here looking at mine, and I'm shaming myself because <laughs> it's not what it should be. I've been some things I tend to, to my mailing that comes in. I don't dispose of things as readily as I should. 
and I look around, but when I see some of the people treat this place that they claim to be their home and their, where they live as despicably as they do, I wonder what their abode looks like. I have to wonder. But I share this with you about Satan because he's a real enemy and all these things that are going on. But here's the thing too. You have to understand that, that Satan is being allowed a free reign here for a reason. And you might sit there, well, why would God do that? Why would God do that? And who are you and what authority do you have to sit there and question God, the creator of all things, the maker of all things made, the ancient of days, the great I am, the beginning and the end, the alpha, the omega, all things that you cannot see and who loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, anointed of God, the Christ, to come here, and he did so. He was crucified and died for us to carry the weight of the sins of the world and give us the opportunity to be heirs and joint heirs with Jesus and come and be able to spend eternity with Jesus and God in just such abundant love. It's just overwhelming. And all the ails and pains and hurts will be gone. Going to be joy unspeakable and full of glory. They even wrote a song about that. An older tune. But when God asked Satan, and the Lord said unto Satan, from whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And Satan was rather smug, I believe. I was not there, so I didn't physically see it. But if there was any retention on him, he wouldn't be able to just walk up and down and move about for you. Satan has free reign to walk here. This is his kingdom. He's called the the king of the world, the prince of darkness, the prince of the earth, the prince of the air. There are many words that are used for Satan. He has many titles. God is ancient of days, the great I am, Rafa, the great healer, Adonai, El Shaddai, El Shalom, Elohim. All about the character of God. Is love. God is love. God is peace. God is the great physician, the great healer, all these attributes. And Satan has attributes. Fear, liar, condemner, destroyer. His favorite thing is to try to separate us from God so that we perish. And he's really even more upset than he was because Jesus wrested the keys of death and hopelessness from him. He didn't have those anymore. 
So there's no reason whatsoever to be hopeless or feel hopeless or feel dejected or dismayed, discouraged, for Jesus took those keys from him. There is no fear for death anymore. It's a shadow. Jesus took those keys and he governs. When we pass from this plane of existence, we are met and we are walked into the gates of glory by the Lord, by the angels. We are welcomed home, our loved ones that went before us. It's a reunion and what great rejoicing there will be. That's in the word. There's some song that carries that as well. But you must remember this, brothers and sisters. When I talk about Satan, this isn't to glorify him. So get off of that, okay? Those of you that declare that and are just absorbed into that, you're taking a bath in the white noise. You're taking a bath in it. So get with the word and get to reading it. Satan is real. Jesus never, never verbally illustrated Satan as a caricature. He's not red with the horns and the tail to get people to laugh at him and scoff at him and think that he's a lot less than what he is. He is a powerful entity, not one to be afraid that we don't need to fear him because Jesus in the book of Luke gave us authority. We can step on the heads of serpents and crush the scorpions and even stand against the enemy. And when Jesus talks about him, he talks about him as a person. He talks about him as the enemy. He doesn't talk about him as that, well, you know, that Bugs Bunny, you know, when he gets here, you just take a pencil and you just erase his caricature and it'll be okay. He doesn't talk about him like a cartoon caricature. He talks about him as a person. He calls him the enemy. And he calls him our foe. He gives us authority over even him. And that we must be aware that it's real, okay? And we have to be aware. And remember that also in Luke, when the disciples that he sent out to teach and then turn away the demon. They came back and they were all happy and, and saying that the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And what did he tell them? And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you you didn't hear jesus turn aside and say oh that guy oh those those little cartoon guys they are real he warned peter he said i pray for you the enemy comes satan comes to sift you like the shaft Satan was coming for Peter. He wanted Peter badly. And Jesus was praying over him because he knew that Satan was coming. Why would Jesus stand in the way of a cartoon character? Why would Jesus stand in the way of somebody that wasn't meant to be? Just some imagining. Oh, no. 
those books that I read to you, you see that it goes from the Old Testament all the way in. You have Isaiah was talking about him. And you have Paul writes about him. Matthew wrote about it. This is a real being. And you also hear too, when you read the scriptures and you hear the voice, is that Satan is never called an it. As it would be for something that was inanimate and something that was just a uh, figment or an imaginary creature, that it was just a cartoon caricature of some kind. Oh, no. He is called he. He responded to God saying, I was out walking around the earth. I went over here and I went there. Cartoon characters are like that? No, I don't think so. I know so. You have to understand that this is a real thing. But here's the most important thing. That God promises that he is with us in and through all things and his promises are greater. He is sovereign Lord. But there are those, sadly, that they buy more into what Satan has to offer than what God has to offer. That saddens me a great deal. But there are people that will seek those things for which they can, you know, wealth and all those temporal things that are offered. And and here's the thing, too, is that Satan will gladly help you obtain a lot of these things by worshiping him and worshiping what he declares and going after what he has to offer. And there are many that do. So, as I shared, our currency has in God we trust. But what God are you trusting in? Are you trusting in the God that our forefathers meant for us to trust in? Or are you trusting in the God of this earth? And you have to understand this too, is that Satan is the God of this realm. This realm, this temporal plane of existence And why is that? Because so many have made him that way. They trust in the God of this earth, the prince of darkness, fear. That's one of his pseudonyms, false evidence appearing real. That's what he always throws out there. And even for those that think that they've become wealthy by the hand of the devil and they they freely worship him. False evidence appearing real. It appears that they're wealthy and rich and have everything going for them. But the reality be known, they have a very sad and dismal life. I might not have the wealth and all these things that, as a younger person and more guarded, I did have. But that's because I was putting more emphasis 
on temporal things and things that were not of import. I am so glad to be walking closer to God. <clears throat> Here's a hard thing, though, that the closer I'm walking with my Lord and the more that he has me doing, I'm under some really potent attacks. But here's the thing. <clears throat> I relish that because in doing that and that happening, that tells me that I am doing my father's business and it makes Satan nervous enough that he has minions coming and slapping me around. But guess what? They're hurting their hands because I'm wearing the armor of God. He finds a chink now and then, but then there is repentance and there is prayer for strength and renewal. God offers that always. He promises that always available. And God tells us to remind us that I, the creator of the universe, am with you and for you. What more could we need? But we misunderstand and change and think that need and want is synonymous. They are not synonymous. They are not. Needs and wants are totally different. You might want a Tesla. You might want a Lamborghini. You want, might want this huge palatial estate. <clears throat> and then you wind up with the taxation, the upkeep, and all those things that come with temporal existence. And you think that you're happy and happy, happy, joy, joy, and then you find out the reality. Lawyers and bookkeepers and then members of your own family come hard and fast. You haven't seen them for decades. And then they show up with their hand out. When you feel a lack, it's because of our finite minds. Get that working up. And this is what Satan loves to get into. He loves to get into that space. He loves to get into that space. And that space gets these thought, the thought process going and, and reeling. And because we're not seeking that reality of abiding with God, remember abiding is is not just a, not just hanging out. Abiding is a relationship with God, talking to God, speaking with God, being taught by God, led by the Holy Spirit, and. In all honesty, there's times where I'll walk and I'll think I'm handling it. Uh, and then reality sets in, I'm not handling it. I didn't handle it. Why? Because I didn't talk to God first. I was trying to do this on my own. We do this often. God does not fault us. He does not condemn us. He doesn't point his finger at us and blame us. He's just standing there waiting and kind of like my earthly father, I can sort of see a picture of him. He's standing there and he's kind of head down, looking up more toward his brow and just looking. 
and has his hands behind his back and he's just looking and that look tells me, I'm sorry, Father, I did. I, I went that way and I knew you were wanting me to go this way. Forgive me. And then he smiles. He puts his arms out and he grabs me with this mighty godly hug, kisses me on the brow, steps me back and smiles again and says, of course I do. I was just waiting for you to realize that I was waiting over here for you the whole time. I didn't go anywhere. You just went that way. I was going this way. It happens. God knows it happens. But come back all the time. David had issues going on all the time. He had people that were constantly trying to kill him. He lost several children and a lot of things going on, but he always came back to where he belonged. And there's a whole lot of people that like to uh, <clears throat> throw condemnation and blame. And, you know, how can you say that David was... God said he was. The word of God is the truth. Yeah, David was not perfect. And nothing here is perfect until he who is perfect has come. And that is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus anointed of God, the Christ, comes back. And he is coming back. He is perfect. Was, is, and always shall be was, is with God, and always shall be. We will always be when we have that opportunity and we are back home. <clears throat> God offers an abundant life. All we have to do is trust and have faith in him. And stop worrying about so much stuff. See, Satan loves for us to worry. It gets us into discouragement. It gets us down. It gets us the feeling of wanting to give up. He wants that. He loves that to happen, especially if he can get somebody from the body of Christ, a, a quote-unquote Christian to do that. Oh, he is so tickled. When that pastor walked off the, the stage, out from behind the podium, declared that he can't do it anymore and was walking away and leaving and then his marriage rather than relying on God and praying for God. And here's the thing, his finite mind, he allowed to take hold that God's timing was not good enough. Excuse me, God's timing is always good enough. It's perfect. God's timing is perfect. In our finite minds, that perfection isn't seen because our minds are what? Finite. God's ways are higher. His thoughts are higher and deeper so far beyond anything we can imagine. So stop trying. So many things that are happening around us and it causes us to be anxious. It causes us to see all these things. Do not allow the happenings to declare or have govern over your happiness. They don't. God doesn't want that. Don't allow them to take control. We try to get things and have control so that it brings about what we want to see happen. The way we want to see it. God doesn't have that in plan all the time. And we get so bound up in all these things. Remember, God's given us the, the power to be able to pre-think or uh, we have the premonition thoughts of establishing our agenda and the calendar and all this thing. We get so caught up and so anxious and so bound up with all these things that got to be done. Got to take care of this. This has to be done by this time and that and this and that and this and that. We get so wrapped up in all that stuff. 
and we're so determined that it's got to go our way and we forget the sovereignty of God. We're so bound up in all these things, in our stuff. There's so many things that took place in the Bible relating to stuff. So worried about all their stuff. Saul almost misses anointing because he was so wrapped up in all his stuff. If we sit back quietly and know that God is our Lord, Hashem, Lord, uh, my Lord, my God. And they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You're not going to be caught up with all this stuff that we're striving to get done correct and have it done our way. Sit back and rely on God and wait on the Lord. And in Romans, as Paul writes to the church in Rome, they had a lot of issues going on. You have to understand about the church of Rome. You talk about somebody being anxious. They had so much idolatry around them. You had the Greeks, you had the Romans, you had those, the Jewry that just didn't care about anything about God. They were just making money hand over fist by selling everything they could think of and get a hold to money changers. <clears throat> they were taxing and, but they had all this idolatry, these orgies and all this stuff that was just going on. They were surrounded by this and they were caught up in all of this. And Paul writes him a letter. And in Romans eight thirty one through 32, he tells them and declares this, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Yeah, you don't get a Tesla, a Lotus, a big old mansion on the waterfront protected by the waves and the wind and the hurricanes and surrounded by that hedge that God put there and stuff. That's not, think reality, okay? Think real thought. Don't look for the temporal things. God provides what's needed. In the book of Micah, that we're flipping back to the Old Testament. Micah's, a, Micah's an interesting person. I like Micah. And Micah declares this in Micah 7, 7. I'm going to flip back over here. I'm sorry I didn't mark it and I didn't go there. I should have marked it. I did not. My apologies. But I'm heading over there. Let me find Mr. Micah. I want to make sure that I do this contextually. And we have some things that Micah's Micah's declaration that things are not going really well and he's he's a little little discouraged and dismayed, but he goes to God. And he's, I'm going to share here, and because of the, um, he's talking about the um, things that he's talking about um, is becoming despondent because of things that are going on, the evil times, um, and the depravity, bribery, 
evil desires, inconsistency, the treacheries, and the ungrateful children, and all these things are going. So what he's talking about, trust ye not in a friend, put ye not confidence in a guide, keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. For the son dishonoreth the father, the daughter rises up against her mother. The mother-in-law and man's enemies are the men of his own house. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. And he talks about this. He says, rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. So these things that are brought against us in the world, we have to remember that God has promised to always be in all things and with us in all things. We have to remember that. And Micah's declaration is that, and the Lord declared this, Jesus himself declared this in his prophetic word, that he said that son will rise against father, daughter against mother, and that they will turn against you and turn you over so that you'll be taken by the deputies and thrown in prison. By your own family. By your own family. You would pray and, and against that to happen. And But that day is coming, brothers and sisters. It's not saying that every single family is going to have treachery within, but let me tell you, it's truthful. This is seen from time immemorial, just about. From the beginning, you have children turning against their families. You look at some of these families that are have so much wealth that the, the mother and father has accumulated so much wealth on this earth. And what's one of the first things that starts happening? Somebody, the eldest child is made an executor, doesn't want to do it, so another child, whatever, doesn't make any difference. They're made the executor of the estate. And then all the other children and cousins and aunts and uncles that you haven't seen in decades start appearing out of nowhere and start taking everything to court and they try to sue. I take that deep breath and that sigh because at one time I was going to be the executor of my father's estate upon his passing. And I didn't want to do that because my four brothers, even my, they're my half-brothers, but they're my brothers. It would have torn me up to have to make a decision against anyone. And there are decisions like that that will be made. Somebody's not going to be pleased with it and they're going to try to sue everything. And unfortunately, things went really far south in that, and it did not go well. There was enmity within the, the boundaries of the family, and there was a terrible causation for that. And, and, um, but the thing of it is that, that prayer is where they end. We're all fine. We're all fine. And that enemy ultimately is Satan. He infiltrated in that white noise and that interference kept pounding and pounding and pounding and he found a weak link. 
and that weak link finally just broke. As Micah declared, but as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. And that's true. God promises that. So Paul also makes a declaration in in 1 Corinthians. And he writes to that in his first epistle to the church. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides and should guide our speech, our walk, and everything we say. And as he's saying there that if the Holy Spirit is walking, guiding them, they cannot say that Jesus is cursed and Jesus is not real. You saw what happened to the Pharisees. They tried to say that he was of the devil and then Jesus launched into his parable about the house divided. They didn't get that at all. A house divided unto itself cannot stand. They didn't understand. How is Jesus going to cast out demons and devils by calling on the name of the devil? That made no logical sense. It made no scriptural sense. And it wouldn't have it wouldn't have happened. Very foolish. So Paul is trying to expound on that by saying that if the Holy Spirit is in you and you're speaking the word of God, then you cannot declare that Jesus is cursed or that Jesus is a curse. He's also trying to say that the Holy Spirit residing, you've got the Holy Spirit residing in you, then the spirit of wickedness and evil cannot abide. It can't stay there with you. And it won't stay there with you if you call on the name of the Lord. This is what I'm sharing with you, brothers and sisters, that all these things that may be going on and those that claim to be Christians out there and trying to say, oh, well, you're just glorifying Satan and you're glorifying him. And it's not about that. It's about being aware that the enemy is there. The enemy is real. And by diminishing that fact does not make it any less true, any less real, except in your mind's eye. I'm sure that there were many out there, and sadly, sadly, the truth be told is that there were some that would not believe when there were good men that were out beyond the wire. And they knew that the enemy was moving heavily and mightily, and he came back with a report. And of course, those who thought that they knew better didn't want to hear it. Oh, no, we have better we have better intel. We have better reconnaissance. We have better reports. And that's not true because reports are that they're miles away. And then about two or three hours before breakfast at zero dark 30 in the morning, all of a sudden all hell broke loose and there were rockets and bombs and people getting shot and blown up and all that stuff. Because they chose to ignore the fact that the enemy was real and present and is a danger. 
Okay, so that was a military metaphor, an analogy related to that, but it's real. The Bible tells us that we are in spiritual warfare. The warfare is real, and that what we fight against is not those things of this temporal plane of existence. Okay? It's not out here, and many of these things we cannot even see. We cannot see. I had something shared with me. I'm going to share it with you again. And I've shared it before. That God, for some reason, he allowed me to see one of my caretakers. It was powerful. It was powerful. I saw him in heavenly glory. This angel... Very powerful, very beautiful at the same time. Not consumed by heavenly fire, but was there unstaining guard. It's real, I believe. Quite honestly, I don't care about the validation from anyone else that might say, oh, that's not real, that didn't happen. Well, you weren't there. You didn't see it, so of course you're going to declare that. Just like many people will declare that Satan is not real and it's not true and that we're glorifying him by talking about him. Well, that's sad for, for me in my heart for you because you choose to pay attention to the white noise that the devil feeds you rather than the truth and reality. So I'm going to read from the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. And I'm going to go to 610. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Interesting. Paul's not talking about the devil as if he's a character. He's speaking about a real live person that has wiles and dominion over things that can come and do harm to us we have to be prepared for that for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places what is Paul talking about he's talking about many of the minions that are following Satan because there are those on this plane of existence that do what well. you have political entities, you have those individuals that are in high offices that are there and they are minions of the devil and he manipulates their life and they try to in turn manipulate ours. We have to be aware of that. We have to be prepared for that and seek the truth. Continually further. Verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and in your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take on the helmet of salvation 
and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of the Lord. It's real. Why would God make that armor for us? Why would we be admonished to make sure that we have that with us and that we take that? Because all these things about that that so many don't want to talk about, oh, that's just glorifying the devil. Well, no, you're just falling prey, and I pray for you. I pray for your strength so that you open it up and get into the Word. And it's just a warden. But the greatest thing, the greatest thing is that God is with us. The Lord promises to stand with us. And he has guardians that are with us through the day. Sometimes as despicable as things are in this world out here, I catch myself wanting to be annoyed and agitated because they do some really stupid stuff <laughs> when I'm at work. Let me, um, and, and the whole time that they're doing all this crazy antics, they're using their phone while they're driving down the road looking like they're almost hitting people and things. The prince of the air. But anyway, the word of the Lord is the truth. His promises are true. He will help to sustain us. He will be with us in all things, through all things, and in all places. Not just from point A to point B, but in our sorrow and our joy. I, I um, can't remember if I shared it with you or not, but my grandchildren's great-grandfather passed away uh, a couple weeks ago. And we just recently buried him. What a great man. The man, such a heart for God and, and just was, um, was an awesome person. Really cared deeply for him. Even in my foolishness, and he was, he was not pointing a finger of blame. He didn't point a finger of condemnation. And rather, I know as difficult as it was for his forgiveness, but he gave that forgiveness. But the thing of it is, even as I kissed his brow and said goodbye, that was to the physical. But knowing, and looking at some old pictures, knowing that when I get home, the reunion with this man is going to be I know he's already visiting with my mom and dad. They had a pretty good relationship. They're already visiting and enjoying the love of God and they're roaming around and all that beautiful gardenscape and all that. It's gorgeous. Greener greens, redder reds, yellow, yellower yellows. Intense, immense. And what a reunion that will be. Brothers and sisters, I pray for you on my going out, my coming in. And those of you that are unsure, I keep inviting you. It's not a great and easy walk. I'm not telling you, it's not a cakewalk. Not like you see in some of these movies depicted where you become saved and all this. And then you're going to float everywhere you go six, eight inches above the ground and not have to trip and, or anything. It, you will. And as I shared, the truth is that the closer you walk with God and the closer you want to be to God and the more you do that, the more intense the devil's going to try to get his minions to come in and shake you, rattle you loose. He didn't want you to be there. Hang on. 
Ah, what was that old song? I just had an old song. Hang on, for help is on the way. And I love the song. Lauren Daigle sings it. You need to get this song in your library or at least listen to it, The Rescue. I will not stop marching no matter the distance. I will not stop no matter how deep the fight. I will not stop no matter how deep the darkness. These are words of God that she's singing out that God is saying and declaring. He won't stop. And he will send an army, need be, to rescue me. I already know that I have one that he allowed me to see, but I bet there's many more. And when the prophet prayed for his protege to be able to see what he sees, see, God keeps certain things from us because it's for our own protection, trust me. There are things that are very wicked, nasty, that we don't see that are happening. They're constantly at battle, trying to take our souls and take us away from God. But he was able, he went out onto the veranda and, and saw that though the city was surrounded by numerous armies that had come into allegiance, behind them were the armies and the hosts of heaven. And everything that was around, the chariots, the horsemen, were on fire, heavenly fire that was not consuming, but they were behind the enemy that had the city surrounded. And his young student took comfort. It's there, it's real, it's true. God promises. Be blessed, you hear my prayers on my going out and my coming in.